what's up you guys are listening to the cheat code and this is obviously our first podcast so just you know bear that in mind give me a little bit of slack as I'm learning um but what the cheat code is is I just want to talk about the best things that I'm learning in life right now the things that are elevating me that are making me better because since I'm in my 20s I'm just trying to figure out shit and not drown but at the same time I'm trying to optimize my life I want to optimize my relationships my time my money I want to I want to do it all. So this podcast is essentially just talking about random things that I'm obsessed with, things that have really changed my life, my perspective, and there's nothing I want to talk to you guys more about than Bitcoin right now. Keep in mind that on the cheat code, I hope to talk about like physical health, mental health, self-permission, self-confidence, mindset, reprogramming your mind to combat negative self-talk. I want to talk about building a career, being a boss woman to all my boss ladies out there. I want to talk about investing in personal finance. I want to talk about like relationships. I want to talk about sex. I want to talk about like anything that we really should be talking about in our 20s. But yeah, keep in mind that I still want to talk about Bitcoin first. So that's how much Bitcoin is really meaning to me right now. If you follow me, then you know that I go on these random unsolicited rants about Bitcoin um, on my Instagram. But that is because I'm excited. Once like the thing about Bitcoin is it's not at all intuitive right? It's not intuitive, actually, until you start educating yourself and until you start understanding what Bitcoin is at its fundamental level. And then you realize that not only is Bitcoin intuitive, but it's hyper intuitive. And there's an entire community that is so willing to educate you on it if you were to just give it a chance and listen and take the time. So today, I want to get into what the hell Bitcoin is. How do I get started? Where can I buy some? Where does it get its value? That's a really big question. Another big question is, isn't it too volatile? What about all the other altcoins, right? There's so much to talk about, and I really want to talk about it all. So stay tuned to the end. If you guys are convinced that you know Bitcoin is a good investment, a, a good asset by the end of this podcast, I will be telling you guys which apps you can purchase Bitcoin on um, and how you guys can get started and get invested today. Okay, so I think that the biggest thing with Bitcoin that people just can't get their minds around is like, why Bitcoin? How is it money? People call it virtual money. It's not tangible. People can't wrap their head around it. People don't understand where it gets its value from. They don't know what drives it. They see all this volatility. They don't trust it. And again, like this is so, so normal. Like I said before, Bitcoin is not intuitive until it's intuitive. And then we both know at that point it becomes hyper intuitive. So I want to start at the beginning. What makes good money, right? What makes a commodity a good candidate for being a good store value? And it really comes down to five things. Those being divisibility, durability, recognizability, portability, and scarcity. So I'm going to break those down. Divisibility. Is it something that we can break down and we can make large purchases with or small purchases with using the same currency? Does it have depth? Does it have range? Can I buy a Tesla with it and also buy a cup of coffee? The second thing, is it durable? Will it last? Can we use it? Can we count on it? That's why that's a big reason why we actually used gold back in the day because it was durable. It didn't tarnish. It didn't rust. It was something that could last until the end of time. It had that durability factor. The third thing being recognized Is it something that we can recognize and we can see it or we can know it and we can verify it and know that that is money, that that is a commodity? With gold, obviously, that was very easy. We could recognize gold. With Bitcoin, it comes down to the blockchain recognizing each transaction code. Okay, the fourth thing is portability. Is it portable? Is it something we can take with us? With gold, 
you know, it was portable, but it was really freaking heavy at the same time. And that was why fiat money was actually really introduced to us. It was more durable. We could take it with us. It was easier. And it also kind of gave government control to print out a ton of it. But okay, moving on. Scarcity. Is it scarce? This is what brings things value. Scarcity is so important. It is, in fact, the most important thing for having something be a good store value. That is where something gets its value. If we were using water to pay for anything, would it really be that valuable? No, there's a ton of water. It's not a good store value. Okay, so now that we know what makes a good store value, let's compare Bitcoin to those metrics and see how they line up. So is Bitcoin divisible? Yes. One Bitcoin is made up of 100 million Satoshis. So it's divisible already by 100 million and there's infinite amount of possibilities to further divide it. And just a quick note, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin code was created back in 2018 as just a simple peer-to-peer -peer exchange to exchange value over large geographical distances in a trustless way. And it was created by Satoshi Nakamoto. Satoshi Nakamoto is the pseudo-anonymous creator of Bitcoin. So we have no idea who this person is. We just know that they created the Bitcoin code and have made it possible for Bitcoin to be what it is today. Um, and that's why they're called Satoshi. So one Bitcoin is made up of 100 million Satoshis. The second thing is, is it durable. Yes, Bitcoin is digital, but furthermore, like in order for the Bitcoin network to simply exist and be running, it just requires one computer in the entire world to be running the Bitcoin code, which if you knew the ecosystem that surrounds Bitcoin and just any clue as to like how out of it the Bitcoin community is about their Bitcoin, you know that there will always be a point in time where at least one computer is running the Bitcoin code. So it's very durable. The third thing is, is it recognizable? And yes. So on the blockchain, as every transaction happens, it is verified and it's checked by the ecosystem that surrounds Bitcoin, which is made up of nodes, miners, and holders. The nodes are actually the aspect of the ecosystem that check all of the transactions, they secure the network, they run the Bitcoin protocol, and they verify every transaction. The miners, which you might have heard of, are the people that are actually running these big, huge computers that are just plugging and chugging all day like you would in like a math problem to figure out the answer. They plug and chug all of this, these lines of code into this computer and if they get the right line of code, if they successfully mine Bitcoin, then they are rewarded with 6.25 Bitcoin. When Bitcoin first started, miners were rewarded with 50 Bitcoin and every four years, that reward is cut in half and that also kind of guarantees the scarcity aspect of Bitcoin, but we'll get more into that later. So the fourth thing is, is it portable? Yes, Bitcoin is essentially money you can keep in your head. So if you know like the password to your wallet that's holding your Bitcoin, you can essentially just travel and have your money in your head. So it's super portable. And the last thing, which is the most important thing, it's the most, it's the biggest thing that drives demand and value for Bitcoin and that is its scarcity. It's the most desirable mon monetary policy that Bitcoin has. So Bitcoin, there will only ever be 21 million. It is not something you can change. It is not something that you can reprogram. Bitcoin is set to only ever have 21 million Bitcoin in existence. And this is a perfect transition into the explanation of Bitcoin's value. So to summarize, we just built our foundation of what makes a good store value. We know that it has to be divisible, durable, recognizable, portable, and scarce. And we know now that scarcity is Bitcoin's biggest asset. So I want to get into the first myth as I explain Bitcoin's value. So the first myth or misconception surrounding Bitcoin is that it's baseless. It doesn't actually have any value. 
and that couldn't be further from the truth. Contrary to popular belief, Bitcoin is in fact backed by something. It is backed by the only thing, this is a direct quote actually from Parker Lewis, who is, you should look him up, he writes amazing articles about Bitcoin. He says, it is backed by the only thing that backs any form of money, the credibility of its monetary policies, end quote. In order to act as a good source of money, we've already discovered that it has to hit the five principles of a good store value, and it has to have good monetary policies that are credible and lends it to being a good currency. So the monetary policies that Bitcoin possess is the first, being the most important, that it's finite. It has a finite supply of 21 million, and there will only ever be 21 million. The second of those is that it is censorship resistant and it is decentralized. Bitcoin is decentralized. What that means is that not one entity, person, group, or government can control Bitcoin. You can't get a monopoly on Bitcoin and sway how it works and then try and reprogram the code and make more supply or decrease the supply. You can't do that. Bitcoin's monetary policies are immutable in nature. Immutable meaning that it does not change and it cannot change. So no one can infiltrate Bitcoin. It's like a pure existence. That's the best part about it. No one can screw it up, essentially. No one can print more. No one can inflate it. It stands as its own. It abides by its properties and it always will abide by its properties. And that's what gives it its value. And then in addition to that, Bitcoin experiences a supply shock every four years called the halving. So earlier I mentioned that miners mine Bitcoin and they're incentivized to do that because they are rewarded with Bitcoin in exchange. However, at the beginning when Bitcoin was first invented, miners were rewarded with 50 Bitcoin. Every time they plugged and chugged, they got the right code, they received 50 Bitcoin. Four years later, that supply, that reward, was cut in half so that miners were rewarded with 25 Bitcoin. Four years later, 12.5, and four years later, which brings us to our current cycle, miners are rewarded 6.25 Bitcoin every time they plug and chug the right code. So, if you know the basic properties of supply and demand, you know that an asset that is not only finite in nature, but one that continues to grow more and more scarce with time is an amazing way to store value. Because if you store your value in Bitcoin, it will only increase in value versus if you're storing your money in fiat money, if you're keeping all of your money, say you have $50,000 to your name and you're keeping that in your savings account over the next 10 years, it'll only decrease in value because of inflation. But if you keep it in Bitcoin, it will only increase in value because as demand increases, as more people learn about Bitcoin, invest in Bitcoin, realize that it is the best way to store value right now, then the demand will increase, but the supply will continue to decrease. So it will only drive up the value from there. So now that we've debunked the first myth, which is Bitcoin is baseless, which it's not, it's based by its monetary policies, let's get into the second myth or I would say like the biggest fear and uncertainty when it comes to Bitcoin and that is Bitcoin is too volatile and I can't wait to talk about this. So first and foremost, volatility is often mistaken for being the same as risk and this is something my boyfriend reminds me all the time. I'm going to say that one more time so that it sinks in. Volatility is often mistaken for being the same thing as risk. And again, that is not the case. Just because something is volatile does not mean that it's risky. And just because something is not volatile does not mean that it's not risky. In conclusion, volatility and risk are not correlated. Also, risk gets a bad name, but risk is a good thing. 
if you're young and you're just getting involved, you should be having a more aggressive, more risky basket of investments versus if you are 60 and you're planning on retiring in five years, then you don't want to be risky with your reserve of money, right? So let's get over this fact that risk is awful and that it's bad. Risk is what makes you money, people. Okay, so let's explain why Bitcoin is volatile in the first place. And I'm not going to deny that Bitcoin is volatile. It is definitely volatile. But the reason why it is, is because it's in the process of price discovery. Something doesn't go from being worth $0 to $23,000 to eventually potentially being the global reserve currency without volatility. Price directly reflects the value people place in an asset. And in this case, the value people are able to understand that an asset is worth. Most people, I seriously mean this, most people, 9 out of 10, 9.5 out of 10, do not understand what Bitcoin is, let alone its origins, its monetary policies, or really anything about Bitcoin, and that's going to lead to some price volatility. As larger and larger waves of adoption commence, the strong majority will get in, they will understand the value that Bitcoin has, they will look to hold Bitcoin for the long term to reap the full benefits of Bitcoin because it's a good store value, it's something you want to store value in, it's not at the point where it's something that you're going to go to the store and buy clothes with, it's not something that you want to go to the store and buy clothes with. It's something that is going to compound on itself so incredibly on itself in the next couple of years that you will want to hold it for longer and longer to see where that gets you. So I mentioned on my stories, like my Instagram stories where I went on a little bit of a Bitcoin rant, I mentioned that the previous all-time high for Bitcoin was back in 2017. That was at $1,000. The recent all-time high that we've hit this round, this cycle in 2020 has been $23,000. Now, if you imagine that Bitcoin keeps 23xing itself, you realize it's going to be worth a lot in the future. And as we see more and more people adopt Bitcoin, invest in Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, we will then see gradually over time that the price will ground and stabilize itself. But for now, the volatility is good. We are in a process of price discovery. And that is what has allowed, again, Bitcoin to go from $0 to $23,000. Another important thing to note is if you have an issue with the volatility, it is most likely because you are thinking in terms of days, weeks, months, even years. Bitcoin is not at the point where it can completely replace our currency and be used as an immediate exchange of goods. Right now, Bitcoin falls more in the category of a store value, and as it is more widely adopted, then it will gain strength and will be able to be used as a currency, at least in my opinion. As of now, it is a long-term investment. Think 5, 10, 20 years. Bitcoin has the possibility of being a retirement account all in itself, something that you can pass on to your children, but you're only going to really reap its benefits if you hold it for the long term and go in knowing that you're going to hold it for the long term. So just to wrap up volatility, volatility is not the same as being risky. Not all volatility is bad. And Bitcoin is a prime example of what positive volatility looks like and what volatility can do if you look over the chart of Bitcoin. It has consistently experienced a positive trend and it has consistently broken all time highs. Just also want to say that every four years when we experience the halving, which we talked about earlier, the, that supply shock, the Bitcoin network experiences a huge price explosion. It is following the halving that we see these price explosions and we reach all-time highs. And what we have seen over time is that we reach these all-time highs and that these all-time highs remain consistent until they are then broken again in a positive trend. Is the overall positive trend made up of a perfectly linear escalation to the top? 
No, of course not. We're going to see some volatility in between, but what we are seeing at the end of the day is an overall positive trend. So now that I have hopefully shed a little bit of light as to why Bitcoin is so volatile, I won't go so far to say that I've debunked the myth that Bitcoin is too volatile because it is volatile and it's subject to whoever's opinion it is if it's too volatile or not. Again, the more research you do on the topic, the more conviction that you'll have behind your investments so that you'll be able to have a larger stomach for volatility. For me, Bitcoin is not too volatile because I have done enough research that I'm willing to stomach the volatility, I'm willing to be patient, and then I'm willing to reap the successes of holding on to Bitcoin. It is usually at this point in time that people ask, well, when do I buy? Like, shouldn't I wait for the price to buy at a price that's super low since it continues to go up and go down? Like, am I too late to even get in? And my response to this is buy often and buy consistently, just like you would with the market. If you are first getting into investing, no one's going to tell you, hey, kid, you should really time the market and only buy when there is a crash, because most times you cannot time the market. If you could time the market, you'd be a millionaire by now. No one can time the market. That's what makes the market the market. Otherwise, we would all be rich. So now let's move into the last and final myth that I'm going to debunk or misconception. And that is when people ask me, well, what about all of the other cryptocurrencies and altcoins out there? To be very clear, my opinion is that there's Bitcoin and that there is shit coins. There is nothing in between right? So as long as there is money, there will always be alchemists. Other coins are the alchemists. The reason why Bitcoin works is because, like I said at the very beginning, Bitcoin is not written for the purpose of being money. Like I said, you can go literally online, you can download the Bitcoin code, you can change a line of that code, and you can create an altcoin. But it wouldn't be Bitcoin, and it wouldn't be able to compete with the monetary policies that have cemented Bitcoin as being a valuable asset. So shitcoins are all created essentially to rival Bitcoin. And make no mistake, the other coins were created by people trying to make money. They say Bitcoin is too slow. So they make one and they change a few things and they say, oh, but this one is faster. They'll say Bitcoin is too volatile. So they'll make one that's more quote unquote stable. Bitcoin can't handle the number of transactions that make up the global economy. So they make one that has quote unquote more scale. Essentially, in my opinion, they are all ripoffs and they try to compete with Bitcoin on a single entity when in fact, in order to outperform Bitcoin, you would need to compete with its monetary policies as a whole, which we know at this point in the podcast is that Bitcoin is scarce, it's decentralized, and it's censorship resistant. The most important takeaway, though, in terms of money when it comes to other competing currencies in the crypto space is that money follows one medium, meaning that money all converges to a single strongest currency. Would you rather be given a million dollars in a currency accepted by one billion people or one million people? You would most likely go with the currency that is most widely accepted and most widely understood as being the most valuable. Would you rather be paid in pesos or would you rather be paid in the US dollar? You'd rather be paid in the US dollar because it's the strongest currency out of the two. And that is the same thing with Bitcoin. In fact, 
Kathy Wood of ARC Funds, which are like the best index funds right now. They are performing well above 100% in each of her funds. I would look at them up, ARK. They're amazing to start investing in. If you're looking to get invested in some index funds that spread out your investments over quite a few stocks, then I would totally recommend her funds. But she herself called Bitcoin the reserve cryptocurrency, which is super, super important. Essentially, because Bitcoin exists, it cannot be outcompeted. And what I mean by that is because Bitcoin was so manufactured in such a perfect way and because it was the first to do it, you cannot outcompete it. There's nothing you can create that's actually better than that. It is the perfect form of store value that we've ever come across. And that's why so many people are so excited about it. And I think that's what people are starting to realize. All of these other coins, sure, they exist, whatever. Maybe you can make a little bit of money off in the short term, but they will fall in terms of Bitcoin. They cannot compete with Bitcoin. They just can't. So to just quickly wrap up the conversation we've had today, this is just the first installment of, I'm sure a couple of episodes we'll have on Bitcoin because it's just an amazing thing to be talking about right now. We've just talked about like why we're talking about Bitcoin, why it has the hype that it has, where it gets its value from, why it's so volatile and how it compares to other alternative coins and cryptocurrencies. And in case you haven't been able to put it together, it's something that my conviction has really grown in since I have done a little bit more research on it. So it's something that I genuinely believe will change my life and elevate my life in terms of my personal finances. And that's the reason why I'm talking about it on the cheat code. I think as we are in our 20s and we are approaching setting up ourselves for life, it's one thing to be broke in your 20s, to be living at home, especially now during COVID, to be unemployed, to not know what you want to do. That's super normal in your 20s anyways regardless of even COVID like the massive effects that COVID is now having on those types of things but in your 30s it's a whole lot less cute so in your 20s focus on getting your investments right focus on getting out of debt Focus on contributing to a retirement account and to some investments as well that you can rely on in the future. To finally sum up the podcast, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Please let me know below if you have any other questions or if you want me to talk about anything else in terms of personal finances, what my top index funds are, how I allocate my money in terms of my finances, savings, investments, or just any other topics within the realm of the cheat code. Let me know down below or whatever the hell you leave comments comments on for a podcast um, so that I can make some more relevant episodes. If you got into this point and maybe you're interested in buying Bitcoin or maybe you're just interested in looking at some of the infrastructure out there where you can buy Bitcoin and how it looks like, how it works, you can buy Bitcoin right on Cash App or Coinbase. I personally use Coinbase, but it's because I have lost my driver's license and I can't verify my account on Cash App. Otherwise, I would probably just use Cash App. It doesn't matter where you're buying it on. Um, My one thing that I do want to say is if you're buying your own Bitcoin, you are now responsible, you're solely responsible for the money that you have in Bitcoin, in this digital asset. There's no bank to back you up in case you lose your Bitcoin or you lose your passwords to your external wallet or anything like that. It is all on you. So that is one of the major risks that you're taking on with Bitcoin is that you are solely responsible for your money. If you are someone that wants to go and get invested in Bitcoin today, you want to put in a few hundred dollars, even a few thousand dollars into Bitcoin. One, before you invest in anything, do your own research, right? I've done my research. I'm providing you with my findings, but you should always do your own research before you invest in anything, right? You're taking risk no matter what when you're investing. So it's important to know those risks and be educated before you go in. 
So just wanted to give that little bit of a disclaimer. But second, if you have more than a few thousand dollars that you're going to invest in Bitcoin, if you have, you know, a full Bitcoin that you're wanting to invest in, a full $23,000 you're going to want to invest in, please do not keep your Bitcoin, your digital currency that's going to be worth so much money on Coinbase or Cash App. Please invest in a digital hardware wallet that is a separate entity. I recommend buying a Trezor. You can buy it on Trezor.io. That's T-R-E-Z-O-R.io. Do not buy it from Amazon. Do not buy it from some other type of secondary seller. Just buy it from the Trezor website. And what you can do is you can transfer your Bitcoin securely from Cash App or Coinbase to this digital hardware wallet. Now, I'm definitely down to do some more episodes in the future on the digital hardware wallet and things like that. But for now, I will definitely leave that research up to you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the first ever Cheat Code podcast. This was so much fun to record, and I definitely hope to continue to learn more and to learn more with you guys as well. So thank you. Have an amazing day and maybe go buy some Bitcoin.